Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. I'm the founder at the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding in Conflict, and I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And I'm really excited to welcome Dr. Katherine Smurling to the show today. With a PhD from Fordham University and a master's from Cornell University, Dr. Smurling began her career as an early childhood educator. She created curriculum for the state of New Mexico for preschoolers called INSTEP, She continued her studies with the extern program at the Ackerman Institute for the Family and a psychoanalytic program at the National Institute for Psychotherapies. She also has certificates in divorce mediation, divorce collaboration, emotionally focused therapy, and relational therapy. Welcome, Dr. Smalling, to the show. It's really a pleasure to have you. Thank you, and a pleasure to be here, Catherine. Thank you for the introduction. And, you know, we've worked with people in the past together, and so I know yes. that you know how challenging divorce is just period, especially for divorcing parents. And the holidays are such a difficult time for so many people anyway. And when you mm-hmm. add divorce into it, that just makes it so much more challenging. And so what are some of the things, Dr. Catherine Smurling, that, that come up for people when they struggle to manage and maneuver through the holidays, their own stresses, and also trying to create a magical time for their kids? Well, I think that people probably try too hard, and I think parents try too hard, and and that may make them very anxious, and the child understands that that the holidays are festered with anxiety, especially with a with a family that's split and doesn't necessarily celebrate holidays together. Uh, very often, the main thing that I hear from children is very poignant, and they say, Catherine, I just want a normal family, and that's what they wish for. And what I say to them is that there are all kinds of families. Let's normalize your family, and let's find out what's good and best about your family. So we reframe the idea that there is only one holiday type. There are many ways to celebrate holidays and many applications that work and can be joyous, and it doesn't have to follow one pattern or one box. We can think out of the box, and that's what you have to do when you're in a separated or divorced family. So how should parents think about separating their own perspective? Because there's often a feeling of loss. I mean, I think um, as a divorced parent myself that one of the most tragic if not the most tragic thing about the divorce is not being able to have all that time with your kids. You have to share the time. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. and separate. You're not enjoying the time together. So maybe you don't have every Thanksgiving or every Christmas if you celebrate that or, you know, whatever. So how should people as parents sort of think about their loss and creating that sort of sense of normalcy for kids? Right. Well, that's a two-part question, Catherine. What I always advise divorced parents to do is recreate their own rituals. 
you don't have to have Thanksgiving on Thursday, November 25th, or I think it's the 25th this year, but you can have your own Thanksgiving on a special day that you rename, and that there are ways to remake and reframe. It is so important not to be stuck in the traditional node that how I grew up, and if you grew up with a nuclear family, that's the only way to grow up. It's not. We can be creative and we can try new rituals and new ideas. And of course, it's a loss because as parents, we want to spend all of our time with our children, and especially when they're in the formative years. But that's not going to happen. That's a choice that was made by you or your spouse. And we have to look at the reality and operate within the system that we are in and not dream and think and regret about the things that we don't have. We have to look at the things that we have. There is loss. And in your own personal way, you have to internalize the loss and you have to deal with it. And then you have to come out the other end and reframe it that it is a loss. But I'm going to be with my best friends on Thanksgiving, or I'm going to go on a hike on Thanksgiving. I'm going to do something which isn't typical and isn't a a Hallmark card, but I'm going to do something that will make me feel good. And when I feel good, I will be able to give that good feeling to my children. I think, once again, it's all about taking the traditional and remaking it so it fits your life and your family. And there isn't one family and one way to live anymore. We're not in cardboard boxes. We we can get out of that framework and look to be creative and find new ways to celebrate the Thanksgiving. Maybe you you volunteer and give out Thanksgiving dinners. I mean, that is also something that will make you feel good. There are all kinds of ways to celebrate. And that doesn't negate the fact that you aren't celebrating Thanksgiving, for example, with your kids, but you can celebrate Thanksgiving a different day. You know what I really love about that is if you, if you're thinking, if you're thinking forward looking, and so what I hear you saying is sort of separate out the feelings of sadness and loss from the plans. Right. And so you deal with the fact that, yeah, things have changed. Things, whether or not you chose it or not, things aren't the way they were and what you were expecting isn't going to happen. Right. Right. So that's one thing. And then if you start thinking, like, if you not try to sort of stuff the old traditions into a new pattern, think about creating new, new traditions. And Mm -hmm. it actually can be really quite beneficial because one thing that I've been thinking about lately is it just take Thanksgiving, for example. If you say, all right, you know what? One parent can have Thanksgiving every year, and so that parent, the children, can then have that tradition that that's their Thanksgiving. I go with mom, I go with dad, mm-hmm. whatever, right? And the mm-hmm. other parent, say, takes the weekend before, and the other mm-hmm. parent does Thanksgiving the weekend before. And going forward, though, if you think about your children growing up and remarrying and having children of their own, that tradition of the weekend before could be something you would always have because when you're dealing with in-laws and other parents that, you know, want to have their kids and their grandkids that aren't you and might be on the other side of the country, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to lose your new tradition because you don't have it at the traditional time everybody wants to celebrate it. That's so correct. But that means that the two people who are parents 
co-parents have to work collaboratively and have to understand that there's a new way to look at things. I always say, put on another pair of glasses. Stop wearing those red glasses. Try the green glasses. You know, let's see what that looks like if you do that and see what the ripple effect would be for your children and your whole family that, for instance, your in-laws live in California. They know the weekend before they're coming in to celebrate with their grandchildren and, and their family. So I, I think there is a wonderful way to be flexible and separate your own sense of ego and loss from what is best for the family system at large. And ultimately, maybe better for you in the long run if you can oh, let sure. go feelings of resentment. Of you know, one of my favorite expressions is that holding on to resentment is like swallowing rat poison and hoping that the rat will die. <laughs> so, well, that's for know. sure. And there, there's no yeah. resentment is anger. And I always say that we have our brains and our minds are like a full balloon. And if you let out some resentment, you're going to be able to put in some good stuff. So we all have to work on getting rid of the resentment and the trauma, which is fear, and work towards filling it with more positive things. I'm Catherine Miller. You're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WVOX 1460 AM in Westchester every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30, and we're also available as a podcast. And I'm talking today with Dr. Catherine Smerling about dealing with children and divorce over the holidays and some creative ways to deal with it. And Catherine Smerling, how should parents talk to the children about what the new tradition is going to be? I think collaboratively and also get their ideas. You know, children are very creative by themselves. And if you present things in a an interesting way that they have some skin in the game also, they will be more than happy to participate. If you say to your children, you know, daddy is going to celebrate Thanksgiving and he's got his own ritual with you on Thursday, November 25th. And wow, I thought that it might be a really good idea if you and George and Louise and I celebrated on the Sunday before that so we can create our own tradition and our own ritual. What do you think of that idea? And have them, what do you think we could make? Maybe we don't make a turkey. Maybe we make a chicken or maybe we make a roast beef or maybe we make a vegetarian Thanksgiving. I mean, let's, let's try to create something new. And I, I just think that you're going to find that kids will participate if you're enthusiastic about it and you include them so that they are, they feel as though they are acting collaboratively. It's not done to them. And one of the things that children feel in a divorced family when they're young is so it wasn't their choice. I mean, they didn't choose to have their parents split up. So they shouldn't have the responsibility and the burden of taking care of adults. They should be able to enjoy their childhood and create, you know, joys within the within this new framework. And do you worry at all that that puts children in the middle? Because I can imagine some listeners thinking, "Well, I don't want to have my children have to choose." And I don't think that's no. What you're they don't about, have to but... choose. You're telling them, absolutely not. I'm I'm a, a vast proponent of absolutely looking at the child's best interests first. Remember, I come from a place of a, as an early childhood educator and de- child development person. Always put the children first and never put the children in a position where they are determining what's best. I mean, it, it can be said that 
dad gets every Thanksgiving and we're going to take the Sunday. You can, within the framework, shall we take Sunday or shall we take Saturday? Shall we have meat or shall we have fish? Shall we have, you know, within that framework of, of a set time and a set date, you are giving them some little choices to give them, to make them feel more in control of their lives. Does that make more sense, Catherine? Yeah, it does. It's sort of like maybe letting them decorate their rooms. You don't let them decide where you're living, but within the, this is where we're living now. And, you know, do you want a red bedspread or or a green one? (laughs) Right. We're having Thanksgiving the weekend before. Do you want to do it on Saturday or you want to do it on Sunday? What could we do that would be, you know, that would be fun for you? Or, you know, we, or if it's even the night before, you know, to look at all the balloons being blown up before the parade, maybe that could be part of a ritual. There are all kinds of things, but you really have to take a look at your situation with a fresh vision and not hold on to things that no longer work for the constitution of your family. Yeah. And what are some of creative solutions that you've seen people have other than, you know, because in my line of work, people just normally think, oh, we're just going to alternate, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a way to do it. But, yep. it, it, it uh, you know, there are some there are some real flaws to it as well, right? And, right. and to, you know, from my mind, having lived it, right, you know, the flaws are that it's disruptive. One year isn't the same as the next year. You don't right. you don't see the same cousins or you, you know it's it it's right. Just, it doesn't allow you to have that sort of sense of this is what it means to celebrate the holidays. And so, you know, I have some ideas, but I'm wondering what you've had people do that allows them to not alternate and still get to enjoy special time with their children. Well, that's all, you know, we have we have thought of a whole bunch of things. I am working with a family now, uh, several families. One has chosen to have a family lunch together, and the rest of the day is spent with the mom, and then the father gets the next day. The other other people have decided to separate the morning and the afternoon, so or the night before in the morning and the afternoon and the morning after, so that they can separate and have their own traditions. But I really like the idea of the consistency and predictability that you suggested of having one person have Thanksgiving and the other person having the weekend before, the weekend after to be able to create their own rituals. That's what that that way it's separate and it is consistent for the children. They will have they have predictability and consistency, which is so important in raising healthy children. There are all kinds of ways to be creative, and the child doesn't have to feel as though the, it's being split in half. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's also, I mean, I've I've had friends who were the children of divorced families, and they have to eat, you know, two Thanksgiving meals on the right. same day. Right. <laughs> really? Right. It's not going right. to be the same, right? You'd be like, okay, right. well, you know, the other turkey is usually better, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna right. nibble you know, here. You know what the most important thing in this whole thing is for the adults to be flexible and cooperative with the other parent. Because once again, it depends. Your your children are only as good as you are as parents. So if you can set a a tone of being cooperative and collaborative, your children are going to have better chance of enjoying Thanksgiving, no matter if it's on October first or November twenty fifth. 
So, you know, the co-parenting relationship is really important for children to have guilt-free experiences. So that's great when you have two parents who can and are willing to do that. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. No, it's it's, not easy. And sometimes you have to fake it until you make it. Sometimes you, you have to act with kindness and consideration, even if you're not feeling that way. And so, but what if you, I mean, I can imagine listeners thinking, yeah, but my ex, forget it. They're just combative. They're high conflict. They're difficult. Is there anything, what would your advice be to to somebody who's dealing with a very difficult soon-to-be ex or ex-spouse who's really trying to make this as good as possible for the kids? Well, there are a couple of things. First of all, hire a parent coordinator. I do that quite often, and it works wonders in deflecting anger towards the other person because both both parents feel heard. And often a third party can change the way people feel about things. And if, you know, I think it's also better for someone who is a difficult personality, and that all defines by who who they're around, is for you to be structured and for things to be spelled out as much as possible. And when there's room, when there's wiggle room with someone who's very difficult, there is always dissension. So you have to make it very structured and very spelled out for someone who is a more difficult person. And in that case, it may be better to separate. I don't mean separate because they're already separated, but I mean actually to separate the days and the holidays so that the person who is more difficult has the whole time with his children or her children, and the other person also has an equal time but at another time. Yeah, I think that it's really important that it be very clear in writing. Yes. This is one thing that I'm always really insisting on. It's like you need to, you can have a verbal understanding, but then you're going to send a text or an email confirming this is our understanding because you need to have something to go back and look at because oftentimes... it needs to be very structured. It needs to be anticipated. It needs to be planned. And that way, if you are working with a person with the the difficult personality or someone that is very hard for you to deal with, you will have things structured and you have to stay in your own lane. Exactly. You know, I think I was just talking to somebody about this earlier today. It's so tempting or easy to take it personally when the other parent is being Mm -hmm. difficult. And so what do you think, Catherine Smerling, people should do about that? Like, how do you keep from taking it personally, even if it seems Mm -hmm. like a personal attack? I think that's a lot of psychoeducation. And I always tell people that if they have a difficult relationship with a co-parent, that the way they should communicate is through the BIF system, which is brief, informative, firm, and friendly. And not let any emotions seep into that, but just be informative and step back from it. But, I, you know, I do think that people who have gone through very difficult relationships can always benefit from having um from having a therapist or a witness to their pain so that their feelings can be validated but they must learn how to deal with a difficult co-parent they have to learn how to deal with it and that's why I use brief informative friendly and firm i think that's really great advice 
I'm Catherine Miller. You're listening to Divorce Dialogues here on WVOX 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30. Or maybe you're listening on the podcast, which is available wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as the podcast website, divorcedialogues.com. And I'm talking today with Dr. Catherine Smerling about divorce and the holidays, dealing with children. And uh, Catherine Smerling, if people want to learn more about you or, or contact you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Well, certainly I have a website. Um, uh, it's drsmerling, S-M-E-R-L-I-N-G, at drksmerling.com. And they can certainly find me there and with all the information of things I've written and my, my expressions of feelings about a lot of different matters which concern divorce. All right. I think that's really useful. All right. So I have another question for you. You know, religious holidays that we celebrate as sort of cultural holidays often also have a religious underpinning, like Christmas or Easter, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can be, or or sometimes you have Thanksgiving and you maybe you have one parent who was born in the United States, another parent born in another country, which doesn't right. celebrate Thanksgiving, right? There's a cultural overlay about, over it. And there can be conflict yes. because, okay, you know what, I'm... Jewish, but I still want to celebrate Christmas because Christmas is an American thing. Or, right. you know, I'm Canadian, but I still want to celebrate Thanksgiving because my kids are American and it's mm-hmm. a thing for them. And so, you know, how can the, how do you experience the pull of the religious celebration from the cultural experience and, and how to think about that? Well, that's something that, that needs to be discussed in divorce negotiations and access schedules and anything concerning the children. But that should also be spelled out because that's a great a great place for things to get really messed up. And I think you have to be clear about what your religious intentions are. I have people who have not been born in the United States and Thanksgiving doesn't mean anything to them and they have given, given, quote, the holiday to their ex-spouse because it's not important to them. So, and, and people do go to church on Thanksgiving very often. So I think all of that, as, as we said before, Catherine, all of that has to be spelled out so there are no surprises because this is a, religion is a, um, a real trigger for people. And if that is not clear, from the very beginning, you will have battles each religious holiday that you have. And it really has to be anticipated, thought out, expected, and reflected upon before you sign your divorce agreement. You know, I think that's true for so much, actually. Yeah. I think it's a landmine, really different... Catherine. Yeah. It's a landmine. Yeah. But it's also true that in everything about the divorce agreement that has to do with how you're going to work together going forward. So Mm -hmm. typically, this has to do with the parenting plan, uh, who's going to pay for what, you know, what you agree on paper and how it actually works out in the living of it are two different things. And you really Mm -hmm. need to work with someone who can help you, your lawyer, divorce coach, you know, someone who can walk you through What's this like going to be like to live it? And this thing about the religious observance and the holiday celebration are things that can come up time and time again as being a real conflict between parents. 
Oh, certainly it's a landmine, truly. And this, there's nothing that tears apart children more than this, because that's their belief. And they're not accepting one person's belief, or they're trying to hop, skip, and jump between other people. And when children feel conflict like that, Catherine, they they are confused. They say one thing to one parent and one thing to another parent. And if they can't hold both parents in their heart at once. It's always that they're jumping and pleasing one person and pleasing another person. So these agreements, and you're so good at this, it have to include all of the kinds of things in which children can be ping-pong balls between people that are not sure about how they want to raise their children. You have to make a decision when you're going through a divorce of how you're going to pretend yourself for the next 10, 20 years, and you have to follow the agreement. And certainly, as I said before, parenting coordinators and thoughtful lawyers can certainly help with that. I think just for the benefit of people who might not know what a parenting coordinator is, can you talk a little bit about what that role is and, and how they can help? A parenting coordinator is the one that helps to mediate any of these conflicts while they're going through a divorce process. And how much time, who gets Thanksgiving, who gets Christmas? What the religious aspect are you going to follow? If you're different religions, how will that, what will that look like? It's all the ways to smooth out the possibility and anticipate the growth and development of your family over time. It's not a perfect situation, but it's far more perfect than just having a cookie-cutter agreement that is written up and which doesn't allow for individuation and individuality. I think working with a parent coordinator allows you to express your feelings and get that down on paper rather than letting, and with your input, rather than letting someone else make all the decisions for you. I think that's really helpful. So, uh, Dr. Catherine Smerling, in our last few seconds, if people are facing the holidays for the first time uh, as divorced parents, what is your advice to them? (laughs) Take a deep breath. (laughs) Um, Think about what's best for your children. Make sure that you don't win anything by winning an argument with your co-parent. You're not going to win anything. Think about think about making the holidays a joyful time for your children and not for yourself. And, and do some self-reflecting on how you can, uh, you know, how you can see how your anxiety can seep into the child. And reframe. Look for new rituals. Look for new ways of doing things. Don't be caught in, in, in the lane of what used to happen before. Create create a wide life and look at the positive instead of looking at all the loss. All right. Deal with all, we're loss, out of time. We we're out of time. But I, I think that's really great advice. Dr. Catherine Smarling, thank you so much for being my guest on Divorce Dialogue. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Anytime, Catherine. It's always a pleasure to work with you.